welcome to Textual Healing with Mallory Smart. I'm Mallory Smart, and today I'm joined by Dmitry Samarov. Dmitry was born in Moscow, USSR, in 1970. He immigrated to the U.S. with his family in 1978. Now he's in Chicago, Illinois, and has since written four books, Music to My Eyes, Soviet Stamps, All Hack, and Old Style. When he isn't writing, he's painting pet portraits, but that's not really what we talk about in today's show, but we do talk about it a little bit. Today, we hit on playlists that Dimitri made for his books, the kind of music he grew up listening to, whether either of us like Taylor Swift, and if the generation we're born into really affects the style of music we listen to. We even get into Billie Eilish, all sorts of music. We even get a little into grunge because he's a little bit more Gen X, and I shockingly like it more than him. At the end of the show, he reads a bit of his most recent writing. It's pretty amazing, mainly because his voice is amazing, much better than mine. Let's get started with the show. Well, that was a fun 20 minutes. <laughs> well, that, you know, you, you learn stuff all the time. I don't know why the uh, emails didn't come, but they arrived and they're like four of them arrived at once. One of them was like time stamped 1102, you know, mm-hmm. but it arrived at 1115 or t- whatever. I don't know why. Goddamn technology. <laughs> oh, I just saw your text, Google. I try to limit exposure when I can. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Oh, well, you know, uh, these companies, like the bigger ones especially, you know, they try to take over the whole internet experience. So, uh, you know, like like if you use Google for search, say, you know, suddenly you see all, it starts pushing all these suggestions of all the other shit that they want to sell you because it's, because it's storing all the keywords and all this, all the search, you know? Yeah. So... That's annoying, and I understand it's it's their hamster wheel, it's their business, and we're playing on it for allegedly for free, you know. So they're supposed they they get something out of it. So a couple of years ago, I, I sort of like I quit Gmail, uh, quit using Chrome, quit using. I hardly ever do. YouTube's the only one like it's hard to avoid completely. Yeah, I saw that you have a Proton email. I've never heard of that one before. Proton Mail, yeah, it's called Proton Mail. It's from Switzerland. It's super, super like secure, encrypted. You know, it's like these tech nerds that are like, you know, all all these uh, people that start these companies start out all idealistic, you know? You one of those people who uses uh signal? No, what's what's signal? Oh, it's really great. It's a way to uh text people without anyone being able to see it. Most people, like when they're protesting or going to, well, what they call riots, that's how people communicate. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you can schedule a riot. That's not how riots work. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm not that advanced. But I also, so yeah, I mean, this, this whole like negotiating technology thing, you know, I've been at it, battling it for a while. Like, like I, I quit social media six years ago. I, I got rid of my got rid of my smartphone around shortly af- after that. Uh, what do you use? Uh, I, I use a dumb phone. I use a phone that uh, I have, like, for me to text why I text slower than most people is I, it's got a T9 keyboard. So I have to, oh, wow. you know, do the predictive, like the really old school. All my phone does is uh, talk and text. It's got no access to the internet of any kind. See, that just makes me think of, like, my childhood right there. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be childhood for you, but you've childhood for me. <laughs> yeah, it would not be childhood for me, but uh yeah, I also, you know, I mean, I didn't know how to turn on a computer until I was 33. So <laughs> for for a little bit of perspective. <laughs> to be fair though, I mean, I didn't get into like the internet until I was like 8 years old, so like I'd say around the same time. <laughs> yeah, uh I'm just like guessing your age right now. I'm 50. Okay. I turned 50 uh, last fall. Yeah. I was actually trying to predict, because I never know where the generations change, because for some reason, I'm still 20 in my mind, even though I'm 30. I think everybody in their mind stays whatever the age that they think they are forever, Mm -hmm. like their whole life. 
you know? Oh, I had someone ask me the other day, they're like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 26. And they're like, oh, you look 23. And then I was like, oh, shit, no, 30. My bad. (laughs) Oh, so you forgot how old you were. (laughs) Totally. Like, I just got so used to that age. Yeah, I mean, if you'd asked me, well, even if you asked me today what a 50-year-old is supposed to do or act or be like, I, I don't know that it's this. Whatever the fuck I am now, you know? I remember, like, in high school, ha- like, thinking I was going to be 24 and ha- be married and have kids and a regular career. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah, uh, it, it it doesn't turn out. I, maybe for some people it does, but for me, it, it didn't turn out the way I expected. But I don't know what I expected exactly. Uh, I knew I'd be doing art of some kind, and I, I, I'm doing that, so... I know I wanted to do art, but it wasn't expected of me. Most of my siblings are lawyers. So it was one of those, you're going to go to U of I, you're going to be an attorney. And I was like, sure. Are you the youngest or the yeah. oldest or in the middle? I'm the, you're youngest, the youngest of five kids. Wow. Yeah, see, I'm the, I'm the oldest of three. See, you set the bar. Yes, uh, and uh, luckily they, uh, the other two didn't follow my f- fucked up ass path and they actually did something useful with their lives yeah what is useful though i mean well uh you know you know success in a more kind of like material level i guess uh, stability uh all that i'm immediately thinking of a podcast that i was listening (laughs) to right now i know a podcast within a podcast yeah super meta already we're we're going down the rabbit hole (laughs) and i know so totally gonna like relate because you're from the USSR, but it was, I want to say like Marxism today. I'm going through my library right now to see what I actually have on shows, but they did an entire episode on useless jobs because I think there is a book that came out about that a while back. And I don't know, I found like the idea interesting that like some careers, they really just don't need to be, you know? Right. Like think of like corporate attorneys, you wouldn't need a corporate attorney if one other corporation didn't get it so then that entire field had become a thing sure like yeah we wouldn't need like you know nuclear weapons treaties if we didn't have nuclear weapons which are useless because if you use one it's the end of the world you know exactly (laughs) tell me Uh, were you relieved (laughs) this last like couple days incredibly i was thinking like Trump has his hand on the red button, and now I just found out that the red button was for Diet Coke the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) And I suddenly felt so much better. Um, I I, I was relieved, well, overall, and and this kind of ties into the the whole uh, quitting Twitter, quitting social media. So the time I quit uh, Twitter, which I'd been on for seven years, I put in like, I feel like, Serious time in the salt mines of Twitter. Uh, for seven years, I quit in uh, at the beginning of 2015, which is when the campaign for the previous election ramped up and when that fucker took over Twitter, you know, basically. Uh, and I think it, I really think it saved my sanity the last five plus years, you know, that I wasn't on there, not seeing his that fucking face, hearing those words. I would call it a doom scrolling is that I would wake up every single day and be like, what went wrong today? Well, I mean, and it was unavoidable. I, you know, I still, so after I quit Twitter and the smartphone and stuff, I had to get my news another way. So I subscribed to the New York times. So every morning I'd read about what the latest bullshit, you know, Mm -hmm. I would do Apple news, but see, that's hard because I mean, I would still be in a little bit of a very liberal vacuum you know because like you can like block out certain news sources and i was like fox news nope and stuff like that no no i mean i i subscribed to the new york times because i figured that that was what i wanted to know was like the like the views or the the slant of the establishment and that's like to me you know new york times is the mainstream i don't know that i always agree with the new york times i I don't but it's what like the mainstream people you know believe I for the would most say part of the big media companies it's one of the better ones but yeah 
I mean, we're from Chicago, but I could say the Chicago Tribune is actually incredibly conservative, so I try and stay oh, away yeah. from it. And yeah, it's, it's dog shit. I, and this is like, as a former contributor to the Chicago Tribune, I can oh, say. Oh, damn, I didn't I, know you were that. <laughs> uh, I wrote book reviews for a while, for a few years for the Tribune, and, and uh, it was one of the bridges I burned. I've, I've burned my fair share in the media landscape. <laughs> well, you're burning it extra right now. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, the tri- the Tribune is a terrible newspaper. It's it's just garbage. But <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, we're down to so few reputable news sources at this point, you know. Uh, and I mean, what is a newspaper at this point anyways? Like, you know, I subscribe to the New York Times, but it's not like I get the actual newspaper. It's a website, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, so yeah, and they, they gave that guy way, way too much... Uh, attention and uh, the attention fed his ego and it just you know and it was like a, a good friend of mine who i talked to uh, i think we both like and a lot of people agree with this it was like kind of living in a house with an abuser you know and you don't know who would show up and what the fuck he was gonna do from moment to moment you know oh i totally feel you there and it's like the whole fucking country was just locked in the bathroom like you know trembling like <laughs> and and now maybe we don't have to i don't know let's hope not. that would be nice god i have so i am very very far left so i obviously mm. am like we got this one done now we have like mm. 20 other million things that we need to get done now like i love aoc and i like that the, the uh-huh. very day of the inauguration she was just like all right now let's fix this and i was like there you yeah. go keep keep your eye on the prize just don't stop working that's the thing is the the funny thing is before before this fucker I I wouldn't have ever I wouldn't have considered myself super far left because well amongst other things I I'm not a joiner and I don't I come from a country that was sort of based on some of these principles that are considered left which they really weren't but the way they were implemented but uh I was raised in a family that uh was very, very much against uh, any kind of socialism or anything that smacked of, you know, collectivism. That was that was not okay in my family. <laughs> Is that why they moved here? Uh well, they they moved they moved here for freedom and opportunity and all that all that stuff that you know America advertises itself as. So yeah, my family moved to to the u.s when i was seven in 1978 and uh it's sort of like the central event of my life immigration and i've been trying to grapple with it and deal with it ever since (laughs) it's a thing i actually immediately wanted to ask you because Mm -hmm. i want to say that you're the only uh immigrant that we've had on the show, yeah. We, we've had international people, yeah. obviously. But as I said, your story is very similar to my boyfriend who you met mm-hmm. because he moved here when he was about six years old and yeah. it was right at the collapse of the USSR. Right. And I wanted to know, like, what your first experience with, like, American culture was like. Like, what could you remember, like, maybe, like, first TV show that you're associated with or, like, the first American music you really strongly remember? Um, I, I, I know, uh, so we moved, uh, we were sponsored by my father's older brother who was already here. That was one of the ways that you had to, you had to be sponsored by somebody overseas and be granted political asylum Mm -hmm. at, at that time. And so we moved to a suburb of Boston and, uh, we lived, uh, at their house and, uh, and I went to school for about a month in this suburb. And and that was a jarring experience. I remember, like, you know, getting to choose, like, chocolate milk or regular milk, you know, stuff like that. That was strange. And I had, uh, I mean, mind you, I knew almost no English at that point. So, quickly, after we moved to Brookline, which is where my parents still live, which is a suburb, closer suburb of Boston, kind of like, like um, Evanston to Chicago, like it's on the same, on the same, like, connected by public transportation and Boston's much smaller than Chicago. So it's really close. But, uh, they, so I, I was in ESL class for a year or two, uh, 
But, uh, you know, when you're seven or eight, you're a sponge and you just absorb the language and everything so quickly. Uh, I remember the afternoon, like cartoons and stuff were big. And then shows like the Brady Bunch uh, were on in the afternoon. But yeah, like Warner Brothers cartoons were on, like reruns, you know, old, old, old syndicated stuff. That's the stuff I watched, probably learned a lot of my English from. I was just going to say, is that where you were learned English? Because uh, was it my boyfriend said he learned it a lot from Mr. Rogers. Mm. See, I was, by the time I had a good grasp of English, I had aged out of Mr. Rogers. Like, I found him creepy, and like, I didn't know what he was doing. Uh, no, I've, I've gained a, a, a respect and appreciation for Mr. Rogers as a grown-up, like what he was doing or what he was trying to do, especially combating, combating you know, the what, uh, you know, popular culture was exposing children to at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he seemed like a good guy, but uh, when, I, when I was like nine or ten, I just thought that he was a weird guy in a sweater, you know I mean? He still creeps me out. Yeah. It, it, it was not my generation's thing. I mm-hmm. think my boyfriend yeah. was just finding it on reruns, but... Sure, yeah. yeah. So what would you say your generation's music is like? I would say you're Gen X, right? Yeah, I'm I'm totally I'm right right there like older Gen X, but yeah, I was born in 1970, so I'm I'm definitely Gen X. Yeah. Um what is my my generation's well, I I certainly don't want to speak for I don't know how Are you going to do the stereotypical grunge? Like No, but see the thing is I I was too cool for grunge. I like I liked like punk bands and underground music and weird jazz mm-hmm. in like before high school. So I lucked out because my best friend's dad was a uh, really big music fan. He was a deadhead, but he exposed us to all this old music. Like he'd make us mixtapes. I got, I still have some of his tapes. Like he'd make us Velvet Underground and Captain Beefheart and all this weird old music. So I had to listen to that and uh, balance that with what was on the radio when I was in like middle school, which was like Def Leppard. You know, or, or uh, I don't know, Tears for Fears, Eurythmics, Culture Club, you know, like those kinds of bands. That's yeah. That's what was on the radio, like Top 40 radio. Yeah. So, the, yeah, there was a lot of different stuff. But by the time grunge hit, I was already in art school. I was in Chicago. I remember when, you know, Nevermind came out, what, like early 90s? Uh yeah, I think so. But by that, like Nirvana wasn't, was like a, to me, were a mainstream band and they liked, Nirvana liked the bands that I liked. Like I grew up, like being from Boston, I got to see the Pixies a lot. Uh, and the Pixies were a big influence on Nirvana, you know, bands like that. They were like not quite as big. Uh, so yeah, uh, Nirvana was not a cool band to me. They were just like main, mainstream, like they were like classic rock basically. They really did become mainstream really fast. Very, very fast. I remember some like older kind of hip people like being into Nirvana like earlier before they really hit. But I listened to them and they didn't do much for me. I don't know. Uh, I sort of appreciated them later after he died. But, you know? <laughs> also, yeah. It seems to weigh it is. No, for sure. Yeah. Especially ones that are not of like, I didn't think of them as like speaking to me like of like my generation or whatever. Although like, you know, they're, I think they're just a couple of years older than me, the members of, of Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, not much older than me, but uh, yeah, I, I, I got to appreciate them through uh, a younger cousin of mine who like for a brief time after I graduated from art school, I moved back to Boston. And I was driving him, I was picking him up from school and taking them home. And I had a tape player in my very first car that I owned. And he would bring tapes for me to play. And one of them was Nevermind. So, yeah. And that was around like 94, maybe 93, 94. So there's a question that I've asked just about every single person on the podcast. It is the dumbest question ever, but it happened... (laughs) It happened because of a trip I took to Miami where we did a reading slash punk rock show. It lasted like seven hours. It was really great. 
And for some reason, we started to all kind of like divide the world into like two kinds of people. And one person came up with the, you could either be someone who loves the band Kiss or you hate the band Kiss. (laughs) (laughs) And I immediately was going to ask you that, but then I was like, what band would you use as that like, you either love it or you hate it? Oh, uh, man, it's, it's really hard because, and as it, I think this happened, uh, it's with the advent of the internet, but also even actually before when I was in high school, I remember like seeing people like with like Mohawks and wearing Birkenstocks, like all the sig, like the signifiers and the stuff that divided the different genres started to blend and merge and mix so, like, I knew that I was just a little bit too old to be, like, a real punk. You were never too old. I'd, I'd missed no. it. No, no, I'd missed it. Uh, like, it was always going to be, like, a thing from the past, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I don't know if there's, like, one band for for me. Uh, but as far as Kiss goes, I hate Kiss. I, I think they're horrible. Is it because it's a corporate band or...? Oh no, I don't really care about that. Uh I I just think their music is terrible. Uh the marketing's amazing. I mean, like I remember Kiss lunchboxes were really big when I was in school. Like in all all that all that stuff, all the gear, you know, that's it's amazing. As a as a corporation, they're they're massively interesting, but I think their music is just ter- terrible. I love the brand around them. <laughs> they really did have great stuff. My brother had like uh Kiss lunchbox, exactly as you just yeah, said. Yeah, like if 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 they'd done it, if they didn't play their music, I think I'd like them Maybe a lot like better. Maybe like have an afternoon TV show. There were there was a cartoon. Holy shit! Really? You oh, should look I it up. That. There was there was totally a cartoon. I'm sure it didn't do that well, but no, they did everything. They tried every kind of way to milk money out of people that they could. You know, <laughs> it seems like something they would too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to, I don't know if I could uh, just distill like and come up with one band that's that, that kind of dividing line um, for, for, for people my age. But then... See, it doesn't have to be just your age, though. Yeah. See, right now, for me... Yeah. God, it's going to like piss a lot of people off. Taylor Swift. You either love Taylor Swift or you hate her. And where do you, where do you come down on Taylor? I, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. No, because of the prepack, because of how controlled she is, or like. Yeah, I think it's very. She's so controlled, and there's something very. Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how to phrase it, but yeah, I, I guess she's almost too perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know nothing about her music, really, like, because I don't listen to, like, you know, regular radio or, you know, wherever they play Taylor Swift. But I, I watched, there's that document, weird kind of documentary on, I think it's on Netflix, about her. Yeah, Miss Americana. Americana, yeah, that. And I, I felt really sad for her, like... That she's she's this pro- product that she's controlling, but she's got to watch every single thing she does or says, you know, because it impacts how people see her, like how her sales are. Like it seemed like a really miserable life to me, you know. It really did, and it's like I think I would appreciate her a lot more as an artist if she didn't treat herself as a product, and I feel like that's what she's treating herself as. Yeah, it's like she's both the whore and the pimp, you know. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's uh, yeah, it's not good. I don't know. It made me sad. I, I have no, I have no feeling about her music one way or the other. Like, it, I don't. I know I'm not the audience for it. You know what I mean? You'd be shocked. I I have met quite a few people around your age who are Swifties. I believe really? is what they call themselves. Yeah. Well, here I, I've I've got a like a newer one for you. What do you feel about? How do you feel about Billie Eilish? Fan, I dig her. Me Not too. Not as much as my niece does, though. I think my niece yeah. like wants to be her. Right. It it that's but it's. I mean, she's is she still a teenager or she's she's 
around then, right? Is she around 20 now or I don't know no, how old she is. I know she just turned 18 because there was this really huge thing that everyone's getting angry because they're sexualizing her and they're like, damn, mm. she just yeah. got of age. Like, chill out, people. Yeah. But so, you know, as a, I, I heard about Billie Eilish, you know, last year, I think, <laughs> you know, because through the New York Times, you know, my news source, there was a big, long article because that was when she hit big, you know? was like about, what, like a year or two ago or something. Uh, she really hit big. And then I listened to that music and I really like it. I, I don't know that it's, if I understand it or, but I think it's great. I, I think she's really good. I like the sound of it. I'm not quite sure like what the genre would be. I know a couple of years back there were like movies where they call it like mumblecore. And I mm. would kind yeah, of yeah. associate that sound with her music. Yeah. yeah. I mean the like the sounds of it are definitely related to hip hop but it's not really it's not really hip hop music. You know, she's not a rapper, uh but but she doesn't quite sing either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I dig it. I like Billie Eilish fan. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I don't I think that's okay uh to like music from whenever and I mean the magical thing about music is that it just it you know, it's an instant comes right at you. You don't need a form or anything, you know, and or context. You don't need to understand it the way you would, uh, you know, a book, say. That's actually one of my favorite things is that, like, I'm jealous of musicians oh, no so shit. much. Like, <laughs> yeah. They can get that message out, like, within, like, two minutes, whereas I'm just, like, spending years, like, I got to write this novel, never getting it done, you know. Yeah, you need nothing. You don't need... Tool, you don't need a piece of paper. All you need, you need like a hand slapping your knee, you know, like you can make music with your mouth or with your hand, you know, like you don't need anything. And someone would probably have to like spend days reading whatever feeling I was feeling. Whereas if it was a song, it'd be like, as I said, like two minutes and they'd be like, I get you. We're all trying to get just a, like a little, like, tiny percentage of that you know <laughs> the people that are stuck doing the other shitty art forms like you know like drawing or writing which <laughs> is why i feel like it's so integrated though because i mean we're all listening to music constantly and it's always like inspiring what we do and oh yeah i do it 24 um, yeah. 7 it actually like blows yeah. everybody's mind i always have headphones in oh you do oh yeah <laughs> i'm like walking around to my own musical basically having main character moments. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I, don't know if I have headphones in all the time, but uh, yeah, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not looking for new music or listening to, yeah, I mean, every day, all the time. Uh, What's your favorite, um, God, I was going to say medium, but that's not the proper term. What's your favorite way of listening? to music like you listening to it like off your phone or are you doing the vinyl i saw you had a lot of tapes at your place yeah I, the tapes yeah like when you came over the tapes i actually don't listen to anymore they're just like an artifact of my youth you know but uh i don't even have a tape player anymore uh no i i like i like listening to records a lot and i like live music uh you know when when we used to have that um oh god i hope they bring it back soon <laughs> Yeah, it'll come back. It'll come back. Uh probably maybe not in the same form, but yeah, we'll 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 get some form of it back. But uh but yeah, I'll take it any any which way really. Like, you know, I I finally gave in, you know, and signed up for Spotify like a year or two ago. Basically around the same time that uh Apple killed iTunes, which which I hated because I I had like an old school iPod so I could load up all this music onto it. And they made it harder and harder for that to happen. So that kind of forced me over to Spotify for, for new stuff, you know? I have an old iPod classic. I need to go see how many songs I had on it. I had thousands, mm. though. Like, sure, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I have a, I, well, since I don't have a smartphone, I have a music player that I got with a, you know, with a, that can hold like, like 100 gigabytes or something, 120 gigabytes of music. See, that's just lit right there. So that's what, like, if when I have headphones on when I'm out, that's what I'm listening to. Because 
I got uh, the Spotify that you can download, you know, so mm-hmm. I can download it so I don't have to be connected uh, to listen, which I like is good. the playlists you made for your Thank books. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's an, totally an extension of mixtapes, which is, you know, like, if you're speaking of the era that I grew up in, it was definitely, you know, full-on mixtape time. <laughs> I think my favorite one you did was covers. I was so psyched when you included the Smells Like Teen Spirit, the Patti Smith version. Oh, like, yeah. She's the only person who could cover that song. Yeah. Have you seen her play? Uh, I, I've never seen a concert. I, I saw an interview once. Uh, she came to talk about like a book or something, and she was interviewed on stage. I've never seen her play, no. Oh, you got to catch that. She's yeah. pretty transcendental. I bet, yeah. <laughs> God. I feel dorky. I saw her at uh, Riot Fest last year, and I think at the Vic, like, eight years ago. And yeah, she's really great. I like when um, you're at festivals because other musicians want to see other musicians, and you actually bump into them occasionally. And that's cool. I saw that you actually had a blurb on... uh, was it Music to My Eyes from mm-hmm. Kelly Hogan? How did mm-hmm. you get that? Uh, I'm really good friends. with. I'm very close to Kelly. Do you know her music? I'm a big fan of the Decemberists and uh, Nico Case and everything. Mm. That is pretty wild. How did you two become friends, or is that more of a private? No, no. Uh, oh, shit. This is a long time ago. She used to come into a, a, a restaurant I worked at, uh, was a, this restaurant called Bite, which was next to the Empty Bottle, uh, to the mm-hmm. club in Chicago. I know the Empty Bottle. I don't know the place. Bite, it, Bite. Bite was next door. It just recently closed and turned into one of these fucking gourmet pizza places, like every place is now since COVID. Everything's a gourmet pizza place because for takeout. But yeah. it was so. It was this restaurant I worked at. Um, in uh, the year 2000. So yeah, like we met around, yeah, like 20 years ago. So she used to come into, she used to live in Chicago. Uh, and she, she worked, uh, at another club called the hideout and she performed around town and stuff. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how we met. That's pretty lit. I'm very jealous of you. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the thing is like, the, you know, it will come a time when like you'll, you'll be telling somebody, younger about like the people you knew like some you know now famous writer or whatever and they'll get all jealous but it's just this is what happens over time you know they were just it is especially in this world yeah that's that's one of the actual like the things in that book uh, music to my eyes uh one of my big realizations when was when like you start meeting the people that are making like all this the music and all the art that you love so much and you realize they're just people when they come off the stage that happens, you know, it's like where I became friends with some of them and stuff and, uh, you know, did album covers and other. Yeah. Uh, but you know, do you have this feeling ever? And maybe it's just me. It's almost like a break your heart moment when you do realize that they're just people. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's some of them, uh, some of them are, well, they, they turn out to be the real assholes or the fact that they're just normal kind of breaks the spell like the magic. It does. Oh my God. I, Billy Corgan for me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you had a, you had a personal interaction with, with Billy yeah, um, Corgan. <laughs> Tell me about that. I want to hear about that. <laughs> there's like very little to say, but <laughs> what happened is Billy Corgan opened up some tea place. I yeah. can't remember the name of it. I think it was like yeah. Madam something. Oh my God. Madam Zuzu something. That place. Yeah, that place. Yeah. <laughs> so I went for the grand opening and uh-huh. my friend was high as hell, but mm-hmm. I guess Billy Corgan made a promise to play at our high school like a decade ago, maybe two decades. I don't know how long. But my friend asked about it, and he just got pissed. Billy Corgan was like, I am done with the suburbs. I am done with Chicago. This is not the kind of place I ever want to be remembered for in this yuppie shit. And I was like, whoa, man, chill out. So, yeah. And now now he's like a far-right arch villain. 
yet you it know, will not prevent me from seeing him at Riot Fest. Yeah? Oh, you like that band? You know, it's one of those, I've never seen Smashing Pumpkins play. And it's mm-hmm. like, you got to check it out a yeah. little bit. <laughs> yeah, I went, I went to that tea house just, just to see it. It was, it was very, and I, I got like a $9 pot of tea, you know, like, it's just kind of ridiculous. And, you know, it looked like something out of like a Tim Burton movie, you know. It was all, oh, I was just going to say. It's all super designed, you know. Especially the floor. Mm-hmm. Is that place still open? I think it closed. Uh, I may be wrong, though. I don't know. No, I, it's not I a place. I think you'd probably be right, yeah. But he lives somewhere out there, I think, where he was. He had some mansion, like, out in the, somewhere around there. Uh, I love it when famous people have mansions here in this area. It's like, why do you mm-hmm. bother? <laughs> like, well, I would not get a mansion here. I would be somewhere far on the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, oh, yeah. maybe. Yeah. That's where you would have your mansion. <laughs> you know, I've thought about it so much and I don't even think I could do a mansion. I'm a very like tight quartered person. Yeah. I really liked your apartment. I know this is so stupid, yeah. but you have a nice tight space. And that's yeah. why I liked reading your article in the Chicago Reader. And I was just like, did you write that before moving there or after? It it was about uh the, the recent one that I, the one I just sent you. Yeah, that it was just it was about uh you know, was it finding happiness and letting go? Yeah, that one. Yeah, that which is like that's not a lead that I came up with. You know that these these places come up with these phrases. The, oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, they're paying me money. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not big enough yet to find that one out. Eventually. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was all about. Uh, so I moved, I moved last May, like after pandemic hit, I moved into this place, but you know, I, and I had to choose what I, I wanted to keep and what I, what I wanted to throw away. And that made me reconsider all this stuff. Very Marie Kondoing your life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it just immediately made me think like when you said that you kept your cassettes, but you don't have a cassette player, like, does that spark joy for you? Like, <laughs> it's almost like a monument I'm imagining for you. What the uh, just the cassettes because they're oh, stacked yeah. pretty high and they're yeah, very yeah. visible. I liked it. Yeah, no, they're that. It's just a, like it's just basically a decoration. It's an art installation at this point. And I actually, I threw out a whole crate full of them. You know, like these are just these are the top picks. You know, these are the ones that made the cut. <laughs> Not connected. You were asking before about like like the music of my time or whatever of my time. I don't mm-hmm. know who those people are, and I chose a different path than a lot of them. Like, I don't have a family. I don't have children. Like, all this stuff. Like, people my age are starting to have grandchildren, you know? I don't have any of it. I'm still living like this weird, I don't know. Maybe that's why it's... Like a hermit in a basement in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, still like, you know, <laughs> keeping these absurd dreams alive of like making art and books and stuff. Uh, so I guess. See, that is the dream though. Nothing absurd about it. Well, it's, it's the only one I've ever had. <laughs> so it's too late <laughs> to stop now. Just got to keep going. Yep. Mostly it's, this is as close as I've ever been. Uh, well, yeah, one of the weird things that's happened since the lockdown is that redouble efforts to make money off various art schemes. So basically, my most profitable thing is pet portraits. That's what I make most of my money on, I think. Hey, if it puts bread on your table, then yeah. People, you know, the especially people with no children, those the dogs and the cats are the children, and they spend absurd amounts of money. I'm very happy to take some of it off their hands, you know? Uh, I wonder if, uh, every generation to some extent feels this way, but, you know, I feel like, I think Gen X is like a forgotten and, and, uh, ignored generation almost completely. I mean, and well, there's fewer of us, like there's more millennials than there are Xers. Yeah. I mean, we're the product of baby boomers yeah. heavily and they were the large generation. The, so they're course, the real enemies. Huge. They, it's the, the worst generation in human history. I like how every generation has been like ganging up on them. that. That whole like I was totally on board with that whole OK Boomer thing, you know. 
<laughs> I was on board with it until someone said it to me, and I was like, "Yo, well, yeah, slow it, your roll." Well, here. you know, as as with any of these expressions or whatever, like it just starts getting wider and wider. So, Okie Boomer became anybody that's older than you, kind of, you know. It really did. Or if you had like any like boomer like intent, yeah. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like if you didn't know the meme or mm-hmm. something, I didn't know what it meant to yeet, and I was like, "What the fuck is yeet?" I, I don't even know but what yeah. you're talking about. So <laughs> they just, I go on TikTok now oh. and I talk more to my nieces and nephews more so I can get it. Mm. But yeah, there's a lot to get. I understand it now. And all my brothers and sisters are like, why do you get it? I'm just like, cause I TikTok scroll. That's all. I need to see what they're saying. Yeah. These things cycle through so quickly. Like, you know, when I met you and yeah, your, your big saying is lit. You say lit about stuff. You say it oh, all yeah. the time. I didn't know what it was. And uh, and then I brought it up to a, a friend of mine has like a 15 or 16-year-old daughter. And I, I said that word and, and she kind of rolled her eyes. And that's like what old people say to her. You know what I mean? Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> how, that's how quickly really? it cycles through, you know? So, yeah. And it's like I can't find a new word uh, for it. It's <laughs> like I remember there's... People are like dank and then hype and then lit and lit just kind of like stuck in my brain. I was like, you know, it's better than any other Mm. word that I could think of. (laughs) My um, Gen Z loves saying like, oh, that's Gucci. I was like, I'm not. I refer. I refuse to say that's Gucci. When is uh, uh, Gen Z, when does that start? uh, Like in in terms of like. I want to say like. 2000 they have to be born after 2000 or i would think so okay. i don't know where they end though but i know the generation below them we're theorizing is going to be called generation alpha or alpha generation <laughs> but i don't know if you recall but millennials were not always called millennials we were uh, gen gen y or something i think there was a gen y is gen y the same as millennial yeah i don't yeah yeah I, that was our letter, and then someone called us millennials to hate on us, and it stuck. <laughs> yeah. It's always, like, the weird names that stick. I like that uh, Gen Z tried to call themselves Zoomers, but that didn't stick. It's like, nah, I'm sorry, we all picked your name. It's one of those, it's like with genre and names, like, you don't get to pick it. Like, the critics get to pick it. Did anybody want to be associated with that shit ass thing? Was that Zoomer? You know, like now you just think it's Zoomer. of that program, yeah. which sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're branded like it's like it would be like being called Generation Xerox or Generation Google or something, you know? <laughs> I remember at one time they actually considered calling millennials uh, Generation I or I Generation because we we're so into Apple products. And I was like, oh, please, God, don't let that stick. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, that's not going to work for me. Some of these things, I mean, like they get lodged in and we can't get around it. Like shitty words like podcast. There, there should have been a better word for what this is. I mean, it's some sort of freeform radio thing, but podcast, it's some kind of branding thing. You know, some guy, somebody probably connected with Apple, you know? Like, is that what it is? Like, where's the It might the be like, like iPod, like iPod. Yeah, that makes I sense. Think, I think, I'm sure it's related. Maybe it, would, it originated it would, it would look on it up, yeah. iTunes or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's all branding stuff, but it's it's a terrible word. I don't know. I'm going to just be thinking about that the rest of the day. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Sorry. <laughs> just be like, who came up with podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, <laughs> so your latest book that just came out is Which one? All Hack? Is that it? Uh, yeah, it came out, came out last, last summer. Uh, yeah, uh, and that book... It's actually sort of like a re-edit remix of my first two books, uh, which came out like 10 and seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're all a uh, story. It's all nonfiction. It's all about my 12 years experience driving a cab in uh, Boston and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, what I did was, you know, 
part of my my lockdown vacation is you know I put I put together that book. I sort of I went through all the pieces of those two books and combined them in uh re I basically rewrote the whole thing and uh it's almost like you have to when like yeah. you're looking at it through a new perspective and lens. Yeah, I I mean I came to writing really late in life. Uh you know, I wasn't I didn't write anything on my own. That wasn't a homework assignment until you know, uh I turned maybe 30 or so and it was I wanted to write about my experience as a cab driver in Boston. Mm-hmm. So I made a zine and like cut and pasted it together. It was before computers or anything. I got a typewriter and typed out stuff and did drawings and went to Kinkos and slapped it all together. You see, I'm just finishing the the book I'm about to send off to the printer now is my first piece of fiction since I was in middle school. And it has to be fiction because I have to change names and protect the guilty and stuff <laughs> because the people of the people I'm writing about they're alive stuff. <laughs> That's so Jack Kerouac of you. <laughs> uh well I I don't know. I it's it's all new experience to me but like I wanted to write a book set in bars, you know, and the only mm-hmm. way I know to do it is to use the experiences I have. I don't know Definitely. how to make I don't know how to make anything up. I don't know how people do it. It's bizarre. So yeah, the the book sort of concerns like a guy named Dimitri who's the narrator and is a bartender at a couple of bars. And uh this this thing I'm going to read uh, it's called Innocent When You Dream after the Tom Waits song uh and uh talks about a guy named Lon who's the owner of the bar uh, called the Albatross that I'm working at. So let me try to read this. Innocent when you dream. Lon's a hat guy. It's not because of the bald spot or not only because of it. It's his self-image. He sees himself as a doomed romantic hep cat. On open mic nights at the Albatross, he breaks out his harmonica and ukulele. Innocent when you dream is his go-to. When he's done singing, he talks the nearest woman onto the dance floor and holds her too close as they turn to the music in the narrow space between the bar stools and the stage. They don't push him away, but few stay for a second dance. Lon once ran into Tom Waits. It was at Wise Fools Pub on the north side. If he told me the year, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It's, be- it's become origin, story, and myth. Lon was still drinking back then. It was late, probably after Wade's gig someplace in town. Lon sees him, him come in and battles with himself to keep cool. Doesn't want to lose his shit in front of his hero. Asks the bartender to send Wade's a shot. When it's poured, Wade's looks Lon's way nods in appreciation, then waves him over. Waits says he's off the hard stuff, sips a beer instead. Long gets a faraway look telling me this story. There's no ending, but it's as if he's still there drinking with Waits as decades drag by. Any guy in a fedora or pork pie hat and a vintage shirt is a Waits wannabe on first glance. He didn't invent or patent the look, but he's the one I think of. Most women roll their eyes when they see one of these guys. It's such a fallback affectation. It implies a longing for a white bread yesterday. Not that every guy in the throwback duds is a woman-hating racist, but that retro shit leaves a sour aftertaste. In a neighborhood that used to be notorious for white hate, the albatross is a beacon of welcome to all colors and creeds, but Lon can't rid himself completely of the bigotry of his upbringing. His people battled for their place in the new land, sometimes stepping on others to do so. The fact they were treated badly when they got here doesn't stop them from treating others the same way. I love a lot of that old-timey shit, too. Can't help it. I just can't commit to wearing period garb. Dressing like a noir extra is kind of funny, and uh, Lon doesn't really pull it off. 
He doesn't smoke and quit drinking years ago. It's not period correct if it doesn't reek of palm oils and rye. So, what does it mean to adopt some parts of the past and discard others? I hear we're past history now. The web makes everything from any time available at, at a keystroke. Is there a when anymore? If you can mix and match with no context, do any of the parts retain any of their old meaning? Waits always knew his look was a pose. He played with it, mutated and remixed it over the years. But like Jesus, his apostles spread his gospel to the letter. It became a lifestyle with its own strict rules. It doesn't take much to start a religion. A new one's hatched every other day. Lon's saving grace is his inconsistency. He doesn't have the discipline to be a true believer. He just wants the dream to be real because his every day is rarely enough. Like most insomniacs, he's often half asleep with his eyes wide open. I dig it. That was really good. I can't wait for that to actually come out. <laughs> All right, everybody. That was Dmitry Samarov. We hope you enjoyed that very weird conversation we had. If you want to get to know more about him, look him up at dmitrysamarov.com. You could commission him for some of his paintings, or you can pre-order his book, Old Style, or just buy some of his other books, which are all amazing. I've checked them all out. You're going to love them. He's also searchable on neutralspaces.com, which is basically a Wikipedia for writers everywhere. It's fantastic and was made by Giacomo Pope, who was featured on some previous episodes. If you want to get to know us for future episodes, go to our Twitter at PodHealing or to our website, textualpodcast.com. We have some pretty great writers coming up. We hope you enjoyed the show.